Hey everyone, this is Anthony Fleming, Senior Pastor of Church Alive, praying that this message is fresh, real and powerful in your mind, your heart, your family, every part of your life. If you enjoy these messages, subscribe to it, share it with a friend to build their faith. God bless you as you lean in to the power and presence of God's Word. Well, welcome well, to the blessed house. Someone say yes. the blessed house. Uh, for those of you new, obviously, my name is Anthony. And this is my beautiful wife, Miriam. We dated for three and a half years, actually, and we've been married Some almost Some breakups 18. in between that, though. It was though. a couple. They were uh, all your fault, Quite a though. few, actually. Yeah. Actually, and... we all know it was always his fault. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> and uh, we got three kids. Uh, 13, 10, and 6. Oh, One we have dog. a picture of them, actually. Can we put do we that have a picture? picture? We do. Somewhere. Is this an approved picture? Yes. Oh, wow. They look really stretched out. Yeah. We, we don't look like that in real life, but... <laughs> That's our newest addition, Shiloh, who likes to bite people, but yeah. he's beautiful, so we keep him. Um, Pray yeah. for him to get saved. Yes, yes. Definitely we love need him. salvation. Yeah. <laughs> you can take that stretchy picture off now. It's great. <laughs> so we've been married he, for how long? Uh, almost 18 years. Almost 18 years. 18 years. In, in June. Yes, yeah. yes. That's June what? Do you remember the date? 26. Oh, no. 28. Yes. Yes. Come on. <laughs> Now, See, ladies, it's okay. It's not just your husband. It's mine, too. I, uh, I have, we, we actually were married twice. Yes, no divorce in No the divorce middle, in so, between, but yeah, married June, twice. June 28th, September 11th. Yeah. And, uh, so I have, two, I have two dates to remember. That's not even fair, I don't man. make you remember 9-11, though. I make you just remember 6-28. Okay. So there you go. So don't use that as an excuse. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Anyway, we've been doing a relationship series for about 15 years, like as you mentioned earlier. And the best thing about it, obviously it's what it does to our church, but actually what it does in us. So we go on a journey along it with you guys. So we're learning all of this together and we navigate the hard things in life. You know, the last couple of years with COVID was probably challenging for us as married couple getting on that same page. So it's actually a blessing, not just to our church, but even to Anthony and I uh, to together come through this series and learn yeah. together, talk, discuss, and argue together different things. And yeah, yeah so we're excited I like to personally. Call them theological discussions. They're not. All right. Sorry. <laughs> oh boy, Bad this joke. is gonna be a long day. <laughs> just kidding. We have a lot of fun. But hey, let's pray. Or no, actually we're not gonna pray just yet, are we? Let's pray. Let's pray? Yeah, I think we should start there. Okay, let's just go. Let's go. Let's Father, I thank you. I thank you for every life. I thank you for every marriage. I thank you for everyone who's dating. I thank you for everyone who wants to be married one day. And I just pray for everyone online. I pray for our kids in our kids' space. Father, I believe You over today, like we said before, that You would soften more than anything else, soften hearts so that we'd be receptive to Your Word. I believe for a healing oil, a healing balm across Your church. Lord, whether it be discouragement, disappointment, I pray for healing and encouragement. I pray for life. I pray for, Lord, right expectations. I pray that truth would prevail. Lord, in Jesus' Name, bless Your people. Strengthen them where they so need it. Strengthen our entire house. Strengthen marriages and homes and lives, we pray in Jesus' Name, that the generations might be different and blessed from it. In the powerful Name of Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. 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 All right. So today, as we launch the blessed house, what we really want to talk to you all today is oneness. 
learning to become one. And as we know, maybe you don't know, but when you get married, obviously you become one the moment you say I do, the moment you consummate that marriage. But learning to become one is actually a lifelong journey, a healthy one, right? Healthy oneness. Actually, can we thank Pastor Magno? Good, yeah. Pastor Magno. Thank you for being up Wasn't here. Wasn't that worship today amazing? Yes. Come on. Yes. And so as we're saying oneness, a united one, a healthy one, yes, in a moment it happens, but actually to, to be a healthy, united one, it is a lifelong journey because you are going to keep discovering each other. You are going to keep hitting different parts of life, different seasons of life that you'll have to rediscover what oneness in marriage needs to be, especially when those kids come on the scene, yeah. maybe different career paths, all that different stuff. Um, oneness is very important, sometimes tricky when you want it to be united and healthy, which is how we glorify God yeah. in our relationships. And honestly, one is, it's about two people dying to self. And before you lose your mind when I say that, because a lot of people are like, what do you mean losing myself? I'm not going to lose my individuality. We're not talking about that. I want That's you to right. think about when we say losing yourself, we want you to think more losing your selfishness. Because yeah, the longer we've been pastors, the longer we've been married, a lot of people will tell you the biggest issues in marriage are maybe sex, lack of it, lack of communication, lack of understanding finances. But all of that, if I think through all the different people we've talked through over the years, it actually boils down to selfishness. Yeah. One wants more sex, one doesn't. One wants to be heard, the other one doesn't want to listen. One wants finances this way, the other. so it's selfishness. And yeah. so when we talk about oneness today and dying to self, we want you to understand that in terms of dying to selfishness. Can you say that with me? Die to selfishness. Yes, and so again, before I lose you, becoming one does not mean you lose your sense of individuality. It does not mean you bury your calling or, or what you love. You don't have to be on the same team when it comes to picking sports, thank God, because we're no normally not on the same team. We're not. Yep, and so, do you remember when we were dating? We were on, um, remember that thing, and you were so upset. <laughs> we were, our oh, friends. Oh, you were on one political side. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Politics will divide you, people. <laughs> yes. Let me tell you. And our <laughs> Cool. He, his, he was really good friends my, with someone my running. My roommate at the time yes. was running to be president. Of and the college, not yeah. of the nation, yeah, of the, of the college. And, and one of my friends wanted me yeah. to run on his. Oh, he was so upset. He's like, Because she was recruiting all these people and we'd look at each other. Like, <laughs> we were on opposite sides you're of the a hall. Red, you're he a blue, so whatever. He was really upset. I was like, babe, focus on the main thing. You love me, we're good, all right? But uh, that was funny. But anyway, losing, being one does not mean you have to have everything the same, have the same likes or dislikes. And yeah. we're going to talk a little bit about that today. The Bible says becoming one is leaving your mother and father and cleaving or clinging to your husband and your wife. And then together you become one. It's learning how to make decisions together. The joining of a household, the joining of income and values, beliefs, priorities, learning to love unselfishly because the longer, like I mentioned before, we've been pastors, the more we've realized selfishness is so much at the root of so many issues in marriages. So today we want to come alongside of you. If you're single, help prepare you um, to become one in marriage. If you are newlyweds, teach you some things that we've learned along the way of how to do it in a healthy way. And if you've been married for a while, make sure there's some freshness, some health, and some fun in that oneness. Yeah, let's jump into a passage of Scripture. Genesis 2 verse 18. How many love the Bible? 
Man, it feeds us, it strengthens us, it instructs us. The Bible says this, the Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky. And He brought them to the man to see what He would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky and all the wild animals. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man and he brought her to the man. And the Bible says in verse 23, this is now Adam speaking, bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman for she was taken out of man. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife and they actually become one flesh. You know, Miriam and I went on our first date 21 years ago, February the 10th. I remember that date. And uh, when you first go on a date, it sounds real simple. You go, you decide to ask someone out, take someone out and you keep on deciding to keep on dating. And then you keep on deciding to keep on dating. And then you decide to get engaged. Then you decide to get married. Um, and I just want us to understand Pack or understand today the power of small decisions to affect your family. Small decisions to affect you. I heard this in business school many years ago, and, and many of you would have heard this, that at the age of 22, if you just set aside $30 per week, $120 per month, and you invested that for 40 years, you end up becoming a millionaire. And that sounds so small. It's a small decision, $30, isn't it? But what if you spent $30 more than you made every single week for the next 40 years? Just think of the power of small decisions. And I just want to encourage us today that sometimes your relationship and your marriage, it's not this one monumental moment where God speaks to you from heaven in this sermon and all of a sudden that changes your whole relationship. Actually, it's these micro little decisions that you make over time to forgive, to get on the same page, to invest in one another instead of insult one another. Those little decisions five years from now, 10 years from now, 15 years from now, multiplied from now, actually are the defining factors of your marriage. It's why I love when he came up for prayer and praises during worship, he talked about softening our hearts because it's so easy for our hearts to become like ice. And I even leaned over to him and I said, wow, I needed that. Because sometimes over the years, disappointment, heartbreaks of relationships, I'm not even talking about marriage, sometimes people, right? Yeah. It's so easy for your heart to get cold and yeah. icy because you're hurt, you're disappointed. And that's why we need the house of God. You need the presence of God to help you yeah. soften up your yeah. heart, soften up your 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 expectations sometimes of people because it's very hard in marriage yeah. you will disappoint each other you will let each other down and so why we need God to be at the center that's yeah. the biggest the number one decision in oneness is keeping God at the forefront but yeah, making sure you come to him having his presence refresh you so that you can forgive and go from ice to soft again yeah Psalm 112 says this praise the Lord it says blessed someone say blessed 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 in the Bible means happy. It means prosperous, successful, to be envied. It's a big word. Blessed are those who fear. It means to revere, to awe God, who find great delight in His commands. Their children will be mighty in the land. And this is what I'm hoping for across our church. The generation, and this is what I'm praying for, and this is really the promise of God for your life. The generation of the upright Amen. will be blessed. Amen. 
Amen. So what is healthy oneness and what is not healthy oneness? And so as we said earlier, oneness does not imply you stop being you, but it does mean you no longer are living or thinking for yourself. You are now living and thinking for the per person you promise to love and cherish. It's so vital that we take away the hindrances that keep us from becoming one. Otherwise, it will not just be the big decisions, but the little decisions over time that cause us to drift far away from each other. So what is oneness in marriage? If you're taking notes, there's going to be a lot of notes. So it's not one of those sermons that are lots of amens, preach it sister, preach it brother. It's more like take notes. This Blood. is hopefully going to be a blessing yeah. and helpful to you guys. But first of all, oneness in marriage starts, starts with deciding who the builder of your marriage is going to be. Is it you or is it God? Psalm 127, one says, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. That's one very important thing. And we can sit on this point for a really long time, but hopefully you're, if you're in the house of God, you are committed to keeping him first and in the center. The second thing obviously is the very act of sexual intimacy is the bonding of two people as one, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. It's why God says sex is reserved for marriage. I know, wow, so old fashioned so traditional, Pastor Miriam. Sometimes we need a little bit of old-fashioned because what we see in our culture is breaking people. If sex was just physical, why are so many people hurt and broken because of sex? Yeah, if sex was just physical, then why is rape such a big deal? Yeah. Why is pornography such a big deal? Yeah. So if God says keep it in the context of marriage, it's because he's for you and he knows what the ramifications of taking that outside of the context of marriage does. So it is very very important. I know it's not something you hear in culture because culture will never align with scripture. It's safe to say if culture says it's one way, you can do it the other way. That's it's safe <laughs> That's to say, right. okay? Yeah. Um, maybe not in everything. And I've heard a lot of pastors over the years say this, and it's true, and we've said it many times. The enemy will do anything in his power before you're married to have sex together, and anything in his power once you're married to stop having sex together. Hello. That is the truth. Yeah. So just be mindful of that. Oneness in marriage is united in trust towards one another. It's a tender, fragile trust that is developed over time, but must be decided in its early stages in order for it to flourish. Nothing is more dangerous to a marriage than untrust or dis distrust, whatever yeah, way. Lies, yeah. lies dishonesty. Yeah. dishonesty. Um, insecurity will breed unhealthy marriage. It will cause you to constantly live on edge. Everyone in the home will feel on edge on a regular basis. So it's important to learn and develop trust towards one another. It's being united in faith, united in values and priorities, which we're going to talk a little bit more about in a moment. United in decisions, like we said already quite a lot. United in finances, and we'd like to talk about that for a moment. It's one of the questions Ishmael on our video asked, like, how do you get yeah. united in finances? How, when you get married, yeah. do you work that out. And it's funny being a pastor now for a couple of years, a long time now, 15, 16 years or yeah. something like that. We've heard different couples say, no, we have our separate bank accounts. 
it's her money, then this is my money. I'm like, how does that work? You're one. I mean, look, if that's how you do it, then that's how you do it. But I honestly believe that being united in your finances, sitting through, and it won't be easy. If he's used to spending habits before he's married and I'm used to certain spending habits before I'm married, it'll take sometimes a couple of years, a year to finally understand how to get on that same page. But don't give up. Keep trying. Keep talking about it. We finally, over the last few years, got into a really good rhythm thanks to Dave Ramsey and the Every Dollar Budget. Get that, get that resource. Every Dollar app by Dave Ramsey will change your life. The one thing I'd say just quickly on the whole finance thing is just don't have hidden money. Oh, yes. If you have separate bank accounts, you leave this service, you're like, I can't believe they said join it together. The biggest thing I would say to you is don't have hidden money. Yes. You don't need private money. Um, You need transparency before one another. Don't hide money. It's a disaster. Yeah. Don't hide anything. Any, anything hidden is a disaster. Nothing healthy grows in the dark. So it's very Ooh, important. That was a tweet. That was a tweetable tweet. Should, <laughs> just somebody tweet somebody. That wasn't even in the notes. That was for free. Look at that. That was free. I've been hanging out with you for so long. Look I at know. that. Just spitting out fire. No, just kidding. <laughs> but it is important that you guys get on the same page when it comes to money. If you are engaged, I'm not saying merge it when you're engaged. I know some couples that did that. Um, but start talking about finances even, yeah, even before that. Learn each other's who's the spender, who's the saver, and what does that look like? Yeah, there's normally one who's a spender. Just want to give you a hint. One who's a saver. One's administrative. One's not. Anyway. <laughs> um, and understand that, again, just because they have different ways of doing a budget doesn't mean that the way they do it is wrong. We're going to talk a lot about preferences versus priorities today because a lot of people think their way is the only way. I'm one of those people. And we have to understand the... <laughs> Yes, you're going to learn a lot about me in this series, a lot of my transparency. But yes, remember, your way is not the only way. It could just be a preference and make sure you're not fighting over preferences, that priorities are the main things, right? So we'll get there in a moment. You want to be united in how to raise your children. This is huge. And you won't realize how huge it is until you have kids. Everyone's like, oh yeah, we're going to do this when we have kids. We're going to say that when we have kids. And then you have kids and it goes all out the window. And you're like, oh my goodness, trust me, get on the same page. Read parenting books. Do it. Read Christian parenting books. We need it, especially today. Do not expect the local schools or TV to raise your children. We need to raise our own kids, okay? We cannot. You have no idea what they're teaching in those schools. We have no idea what they're teaching on YouTube and TV. Do not let them be your babysitters. Do not let your iPads and your TVs be your babysitters. I know sometimes you need a break. I do too. But be very careful and make sure you're the one raising and that you have a village in your life life of people that you trust to love your kids and help you raise those kids. I remember a few years ago, totally off notes, we we had people, a a certain person very close in our world, and that person started slipping away from the house of God as that sometimes happens and started getting involved with people who are not Christian and occasionally would message my children on their iPad. They only can do it at home. And I found out that they told my child something that I would never want my child to know as a 10-year-old. So I actually blocked that person's number from my kid's iPad. And I said, please do not, you know our values. Please do not text my children anything that you're doing that does not align. The person was very offended, but I was offended that they said something to my child that was 10 years old that they did not need to hear. And so be aggressive with your children when it comes to that. Let me just say, put up your hand if you're a parent. 
Yeah. Okay. Lots of us. Okay. Um, let me just say this just about your iPad and your phone for a second. I was at youth. I actually came on Friday night. I just wanted to go see. Um, every parent, you need to put some restrictions on your kids' phones. I walked into our youth on Friday night and I literally came away thinking almost every of our youth are addicted to their phones, especially the girls. I watched one girl lie on a beanbag for one hour. She wasn't at youth. She was on a phone. And so I just want to say, you have to get involved there. Anyway, side thought. Yeah. 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 No, that's good. Is that free? That was free, babe. Yeah. That was, that was, was that good. too hard? No, that was good. All right, we good. need hearts sometimes, right? Yeah, we do. Yeah. It just went really quiet and like moody. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Getting a few thumbs up. Good, good. Yes. The sad thing is when adults are also just as addicted to their phones. And it's not just kids. That like, wouldn't be these guys. You'll have yeah. a dinner party and you have one person on their phone the entire time. It's like, hello, I'm here. Talk to me. You know? And, but that's not just kids. It's all of us. Me yeah. too. We, we can all get suckered into it. It's not yeah. all of us at one yeah. point or another can. No, totally. So what one is is not? Let's change gears. Oh, second gear. Let's do it. If you're a woman and you are newly married, I hate to break it to you. One is not spending every waking moment together. Sorry, girls. I know when you guys were dating, you're like, can't wait to get married. And we're going to spend every moment together. We're going to pillow talk for hours and we're going to like come back and it's just going to be, no, everyone has, it's not friends. Like we have to go to work the next day. Like people, we yeah. have to work. We yeah. have relationships to build. And I think it's beautiful that you want that, but that's not reality. That's not healthy oneness. Actually, that's unhealthy. Very unhealthy. All right. Um, although I love cuddling on the couch, but we can't do that 24 7 so um, oneness is not micromanaging every little decision some spouses can be very controlling it's their personality right and uh, and if you're controlling that person needs to breathe if not they'll find ways secretly to breathe from you if they have to go to the bathroom to hide from you because they just need a moment if they have to like give each other some space yeah, to breathe good. because yeah. if not you're hurting yourselves trust yeah. trust trust each other enough to let them have some space but yeah. then value the moments be present when you really are together it's so important to do that um, oneness is not micromanaging every decision be united in what decisions should be made together and remember this every couple's decisions will look different in other words what's okay for my family may not be okay for yours yeah. and so you can't be like well pastor anthony and miriam do this no no no. what is healthy in your context of oneness and that is what you need to discuss as a family together um oneness is not trying to make your spouse be more like you i struggle with this one why because i think i know what's the best way to do things what's the easiest way to do things what's the most productive the neatest way to do things anthony will be like <laughs> Anthony will be like, babe, I'm going to wash the dishes for you. I'm like, oh, yay. And then he starts washing. I'm like, but you left like soap on it and like you're not drying it properly. He's like, babe, I'm doing, I'm washing the dishes. Can you just celebrate the win? I'm like, but my way is better, <laughs> you know? And like the other day, this was so funny. He was like starting to make the bed. Normally I make the bed first thing in the morning because I like the pillows a certain way and I like it to be aligned a certain way. And he started doing, I'm like, babe, you don't have to make the bed. He's like, why? I'm like, it's gonna look. It's not gonna look as nice as the way I'm gonna do it. And so, and oh, so pray for me. Uh, <laughs> I should have went to the military, John Paul Rez. What do you think, big guy? He would have went to the military. Right? 
And yeah. here's the thing, just because we don't do things the way we want each other to do it doesn't mean it's wrong. It's just a way. It's not, just because it's not your way doesn't mean it's the way, it's your preference. And I've seen so many couples lose their marbles over a preference, over a, oh man, I don't like the way you did this like that. I don't like how you did this extra. I, and it's kind of like, what's the main thing here, guys? Like, what are we really focusing on? And it doesn't mean you can't learn those things over time. It doesn't mean that Anthony can't learn to take the soap off the dishes over time. It doesn't mean that he can't, you know, just kidding. It just means that be committed to growing, but be careful that in the process, you're not berating each other. You're not tearing each other down. You're not your worst critics. We're there to compliment each other, not criticize each other. And sometimes the type A personalities like me, it's very easy for us to criticize and pinpoint everything we don't like the way things are not being done our way. And instead of encouraging the person that we've been called to cherish and love, we're actually tearing them down. So that is for me, it's something I've had to learn over time. So don't moralize your preferences. It's very important. Don't moralize your preferences. So good, mate. Yeah. We are way off time, but here we, we go. Big, big, big point. Oh yeah. Oneness in marriage starts when we take accountability for our own attitudes and actions. Oneness in marriage starts when we take accountability for our own attitudes and actions. Paul speaks on this in 1 Corinthians 13. He says, when I was a child. Someone say, when I was a child. When I was a child. I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. How many of you are still struggling with the child within? If you're really honest, that's often what we're doing. Because what do children do? They, they blame people all the time. But in essence, what did Adam and Eve do? They blame shifted. And um, I, I was asking my child to do something recently. I said, hey, can you do this? And he said, why doesn't the other one do it? And I just find that childishness yes. is the enemy of your soul. Yeah. Childishness many times is the enemy of you taking responsibility for your attitudes and your actions. Here's what John Maxwell says. This is not a relational quote. I just think it's an amazing quote. He says, the greatest day in your life and mine is when we take total responsibility for our attitudes. He says this, that's the day we truly grow up. So you are responsible for your happiness. Not your spouse, actually. Amen. Right, you're yes. responsible for a gratitude. You're responsible for those things. Galatians chapter five tells us this, that but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against such things. And, and I would like us just to admit one thing, this simple admission, I can't have a blessed house without a blessed attitude. You can't have a blessed marriage without a blessed attitude. So in order to grow, what are you going to do? You got to acknowledge, you got to address and you have to adjust, right? If you can't see that you have broccoli in your teeth, you don't deal with it, do you? So the, the, the truth of marriage is that marriage is like this refining fire that it actually reveals a lot of the dirt on the inside. There's gold in you, but there's dirt on you. Or in you. And marriage actually is that refining thing that begins to bring up some other things. And all of a sudden, you thought you were the most joyful person. And then someone's like, no, you're grumpy every morning. 
you know, you complain a lot, you do this a lot, you do that a lot. And marriage actually brings those things to the surface. And then we must admit them, address them, bring them to the Lord in private prayer. Say, Jesus, here's, here's a great prayer. Jesus, change me. <laughs> not change them, not change my spouse, not, not make him make the bed tidier, not all those kinds of things. No, change Change me. That was a dig, babe. That wasn't a dig. <laughs> that was. <laughs> Whatever my wife does, Tell she does well. Tell me what you well. really think. <laughs> she does so well. She cooks well. She sings well. She honestly, she's excellent person. She's really, really good. It's it's amazing. Now you're trying to make up for the dig. <laughs> no, I see not you. At all. <laughs> um, but we have to acknowledge, address, and adjust. I was talking to a, a man Wednesday night at, at Men's Transform, and man, so thankful for what's happening in our church through all of our Transform groups. But he said this, you know, I was addicted to drugs many, many years ago. And he says, and the greatest thing, the hardest thing for people to admit is, I acknowledge I can't change myself. And the essence sometimes of when you're failing in marriage, it's, it's kind of good. Because you go, oh, Jesus, help me. So good. And that acknowledgement is so critical. And then addressing some things. To me, you've got to address some little things. You've got to address some big things. And you've got to adjust some things. I think one of the biggest things you have to adjust is your attitude. Yeah. I truly believe that. Philippians chapter 2, verse 14 says this. Do everything. Do some things without grumbling or arguing or... No, no, do everything. Oh, that's weird. How rude of the Lord... <laughs> says do everything without grumbling or arguing. How many complained of the winter this morning? Just, just checking, just checking. Do everything without grumbling or arguing. Watch this now. So that you may become blameless and pure. Children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine in your marriage. Then you'll shine among them like stars in the sky. I think one of the best ways to look at it is this. And we're all guilty of grumbling at different times, obviously in our lives. No one has, has ever walked planet earth and never grumbled about anything. Except for Jesus. Except for the Lord. You're right. Thank you. <laughs> Correct theology is important. Um, but one way to look at it is like this. If you're complaining in your home and grumbling in your home, it's like cooking food, but the, cooking, but the chicken is off. Have you, ever, have, you ever, have you ever cooked food and it's realised later it's expired and begins to make your whole house smell? You're like, what is that smell? What is going on? When you're complaining, what you're actually doing to the aroma of your house is you're expecting good things to happen, but you're cooking spoiled food. Yeah. Does that make sense? It's good, babe. <laughs> now, this doesn't mean not addressing things, right? It doesn't mean not addressing your actions. It does mean learning to praise. It does mean learning the discipline of gratitude. And gratitude actually brings you to great changes and great places. I want to say this. Don't underestimate the power of small changes. Yes. Let me just say that again. Don't underestimate the power of small changes. We have been doing relationship series for 15 years. Every single relationship series for 15 years, I have felt challenged yeah. every single time. Yeah. So I haven't done them because I'm an expert. No, I actually started doing them because I needed to grow. Yeah. One of the best things I could have done was actually start to read marriage books and then we began to talk about it. And every time, every relationship series for 15 years, the Holy Spirit has pricked my heart. Says, Anthony, you need to change this. He's never been like, your wife needs to change. 
He's, he's literally never spoke to me as like, you're going to help me change your wife. It's always been the opposite. Yeah. It's always like, what does the Holy Spirit want to do with you? Yes. What does the Holy Spirit want to do with you? Because I promise you out of almost every relationship series we've been in, sometimes couples will leave a church. They get in the car. It's your fault. Did you hear what Pastor said? (laughs) Blame shift begins to happen. And I think one of the best things we can do at the start of any series is say, Holy Spirit, what do you need to adjust in me? What do you need to adjust in me? I remember a number of years ago, this was kind of a, I was praying about a relationship series. This was probably three, four years ago. I think we're in the Williams Centre. And I was, you know, in a relationship series, I can talk about all the things I want my wife to change. I really can. I know you've never done that, but uh, this side of the room looks more guilty. And I remember kind of putting some illustrations in the story. And the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart. He says, why do you want to do the relationship series? And I was like, "Uh, well, it's a couple of things she could change. But it was perfect. And all of a sudden, I I just realised the Holy Spirit was like, no, 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 son. (laughs) You've got some growing up to do. You can change some things. And it changed our relationship series. Why did it change our relationship series? Because the Lord changed me. And I just want to, um, we're we're meant to cover way more notes. Yeah, we have like big ones. Yeah, but here's what we're going to do though. You know, when I was on the um, slopes with my son, we went down the first time, it was super icy. And I kind of was like, man, I think we need to get off the slope second time we go down the slope he falls over hurts his wrist at one point smashes himself in the ribs and was just it wasn't good then I'm like son we have to go down this mountain slow so he's going down slow he falls again another time hurt his wrist a little bit he's fine though we ended up having to walk down the slope sideways because it was so icy um And I just thought to myself in this relationship series, some of you will leave a relationship series and you want to have a meeting. So let's talk. Bless God, we're going to have a conversation. We're going to fix this thing right now. Might as well fix it. And and the challenge most of the time is, if that's your partner, I promise you most of the time, the other partner is not thinking that. They'd rather have a fight with a feral cat somewhere in a dark alley. Do they know what a feral cat is? It's a wild cat. It's just a cat. (laughs) Um, You can't fix if your heart is too icy. And our challenge, and Miriam and I just chatted about this, I actually think in marriages in our church and relationships in our church, the greatest thing we could do for the next seven days isn't say have a marriage meeting. I actually think you need to shine some light upon the partner that'll heat up any coldness with encouragement, encouragement. Can we leave this relationship series, not trying to fix something, but pour words of encouragement on for the next seven days? Man, what are you doing well? What are you... Man, what am I thankful for for your life? Because I heard this story. I read a book recently called The Ten Commandments of Marriage by Ed Young Sr., great pastor out of Texas. And he said he met with a woman and the woman wanted to divorce her husband. 
saying, oh, you know, he's the worst, and he's this, he's that. He's kind of listing all the things that he wasn't doing. And, and he said, here's what I want you to do, honey. I want you to go home for the next 30 days. All you're going to do is compliment your husband. She goes, oh, fine. Leaves the counselling session and just begins to compliment, begin to compliment. And then it was weird. He didn't see her again. Saw her in four months from there. It's like, hey, how are you? How's the, how's the marriage going? And what's going on? I, you know, you wanted to leave him. She literally looked at him, leave him. Leave him. He's the greatest guy in the world. What actually happened is she began to pour on encouragement, pour on compliments, pour on this. He rose to the level of her praise. And before you know it, their marriage was saved, not because they tried to fix everything, but they poured on encouragement. And I just think at the start of our relationship series, I think one of the best things we could do is just begin to pour on Man, you're so beautiful. Man, you're so lovely. Thank you for cooking dinner. Thank you the way that you, you cook chicken. Thank you for the dysfunctional way you make your bed. Thank you for, thank you for all the things you do. It's funny because a lot of the type A's in here are like starting to shake. Like, oh my gosh, I have to say thank you for the things that are not perfect. Oh my gosh. Yes, that was me this week trying to practice that. It was not easy. It's like, Lord, cast those demons out, you know? It's like, <laughs> Can we close our eyes? Father, once again, I, I'm humbled, I'm grateful, grateful for my own marriage, grateful for my children, grateful for this amazing church, grateful for those who serve in it, those who uh, make it happen, God. It's an amazing place. Spirit of the living God, you see every marriage, you see every dating situation, you see every life, you see every dream. Spirit of the living God, would you walk across every aisle? Would you minister life and strength and hope and encouragement? Would you just adjust some things that no one else seems to be able to fix? No one else seems to be able to heal. Would you heal some wounds in marriages? Would you heal some disappointments? Would you heal some scars? Would you heal some childhood scars that just, that's one of the reasons why there's dysfunction and there's pain. Father, I pray for a healing oil begin to reign over Your people in every area of their soul and life. Lord, would You anoint their head with oil that their cup might overflow that You would follow them with, with goodness and mercy all the days of their life, Father. Lord, I declare the blessing of God over every man here, over every lady here. Lord, I declare the blessing of God, God, over every young man and young woman. Lord, in Jesus' Name, I declare them blessed, Lord. Help them walk in that blessing. Help their tongue be a tongue of an encouragement. Help their, help their eyes see the gold in one another. Help their eyes see just that, that healthy things that need to come out, that, that way to compliment that would build someone up and begin to strengthen them. Lord, in Jesus' Name, I thank You. I thank You, Lord, for that. Thank You for a fresh oil, God, in this place. Thank You, Lord, we need it. Thank You, Lord. Just with eyes closed. Maybe you're in this place and you came because there's a relationship series, but you, the most important relationship isn't actually the person next to you, it's the one who created you because that is an eternal relationship. Jesus, when He stepped into planet Earth, He came as the light, the Bible says, the light of the world, not the light of some things, but the light of the world. He stepped into an imperfect place. He did what no one else did. He said what no one else said. He spoke what no one else could ever know, could ever speak. 
He didn't just die, but He spoke about His upcoming death, but then He spoke about His upcoming resurrection. And when He rose from the dead, His disciples could do nothing else but say, Jesus, You are Lord. We thought You were special. We thought You were wonderful. We thought You were this. But when You rose from the dead, Lord, You were everything You said You were. And so we put our trust in You and our faith in You. And then He told those disciples to go and make disciples of all the nations. He told them to declare His Word and His Word in John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever would believe in Him. What's that? Believe in Him. It's not to have every question answered. It's to simply say, out of the heart I believe. I believe you lived, I believe you died, I believe you rose from the dead, I believe you made me, I believe you have a plan for my life. So Holy Spirit, make these words alive in people right now. And if you're here in this place and you have not yet invited the King of all kings into your heart, I wanna give you the great invitation. There's no invitation like that invitation to open the door of one's heart and say, King Jesus, forgive, heal, restore, come into my life. So all across this place, if you mean business with God, if that's what you wanna do, maybe you've never done that before in your life or for some reason you ran away, you fell away, you slipped away. All across this place, if you wanna invite Jesus in your heart, we're all gonna pray a simple prayer together. Pray it with me with faith. Say, King Jesus, I open my heart. I ask You to come in, forgive, heal, restore, impart. Help me know You and live for You in Your powerful Name. While eyes are closed all across this place, if you pray that today and you've never ever prayed that before, I want you to quickly slip up your hand. And secondly, Maybe you ran away from God, fell away from God, but you feel like you need to come back to God. You can also slip up your hand all across this place. Raise your hand, raise it up high, long enough for me to see it. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Hands going up all across. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. You can put your hand down. Father, I thank You for every hand, every heart. In the mighty, mighty Name of Jesus, we pray. Bless Your people, strengthen them. In Your powerful Name. And everyone said, Amen. Come on, can we give the Lord a hand?